Hello and welcome to the Still Space Podcast. I'm your host, Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon, where my guests and I share fun and simple strategies to manage yourself so that you can show up the way you want in work relationships in life and not default to past behaviors that leave you disappointed. The Still Space is where you learn to take an intentional moment to challenge habitual assumptions that hold you back with enlightened truths that boost your genius. We transform drama, resentment, doubt, unmet expectations, and self-sabotage to executive presence, self-control, deep sleep, healthy choices, and more connection with people who matter while it still matters. It's time. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. First, I have something really special that I can't wait to share with you. Most of you know that I work by day as the CEO of a $31 million organization, and I coach a handful of clients in the evening. Now I have taken the tenets of mindful leadership and put that into a training program so that you can fast track your career leadership while also balancing that with a good night's sleep, healthy eating habits, and close relationships. I call this program Mindful Leader Satisfied Life. Not only will you have the training, you also get one-on-one coaching with me, not a group, one-on-one coaching with me so that we can unravel your personal assumptions that are holding you back. You will no longer be unnoticed, undervalued, and inadequate, feel judged, and that others think that there's something wrong with you and you start thinking there's something wrong with you too because you're getting passed over for promotions, new roles, no longer doing all the things you hear you should be doing. Sigh of relief, right? With only defeat and the fear that failure is in your DNA forever dogging you in the back of your mind. You'll no longer be disconnected from colleagues, friends, and family or following the shoulds that make you feel you're still behind the curve and might even lose everything altogether. No longer frustration about habits that show up in terms of snacking, disjointed relationships, vices, poor sleep. No longer making excuses while not actually getting any closer to high performance. So if you're interested in this program, all you have to do is go to my website, maryleegannon.com. Click on the link on the top that says Coach with Mary Lee. It explains all about the program. Fill out a few questions on the questionnaire so that I know a little bit more about you and I'll reach right out to you and we'll set up a time to talk and we'll get you started. No longer will you have to wake up and say, I missed an opportunity. I wish I had. Please remember that I can only take a few clients at a time and I already have a full book right now. So I'd like to make sure that you're on the list. Head over to maryleegannon.com. Click on Coaching with Mary Lee. Let's get started. Hi there, Mindful Leader, and welcome to Episode 29 of the Still Space Podcast. Seven Toxic Workplace Behaviors and How You Can Deal With Them. If you manage people, your team needs you to be human, to show up with humanity, and that takes management of self. If you might be doing any of the things that I'm going to list today, the sad part is you are doing them far worse to yourself. So if we are demonstrating 
difficult behavior, conflict. We have difficult feelings for ourselves and conflict within. And that is the first thing that I want to make perfectly clear, that whatever is going on in your work culture is not yours to own. It is born and bred of the people who are delivering the toxicity. Don't own that as there is something wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with you. Absolutely nothing wrong with you. So if you're in a toxic work situation, or if you find through humility that you may be demonstrating some of these behaviors, start with how you treat yourself. The sneaky thoughts you tell yourself about how you need to just work harder, how you don't have time to connect, how you judge yourself, how you don't expect anyone to support you, so why would anyone else need your support? This is how we distance ourselves from people and push them away. Again, you could be feeling this in a toxic work environment, or you could be one of the people demonstrating toxic behavior. The result of it is the same. We're detached, we feel disconnected, and the fix is the same. Start with how we treat ourselves. What if you could stop shaking the snow globe of chaotic thoughts and let everything settle? What if working harder wasn't your signature strength? What if your value proposition was to instinctively see the truth of a situation without any confirmation bias, anticipate needs, craft strategy, and execute with the ability to shift in a moment without any regret? What if you stopped judging yourself and others and allowed openness to emerge and clarity to drive you? What if you had practices that kept you on track to have what you want so sustainable confidence, connection, and calm were your mainstay? That's what we're going to get into today. And starting with the number one toxic workplace behavior, blame. Blame aligns with shame, aligns with regret and sadness and playing small and not showing up at your core. This is where a culture is one of no ownership. It's always somebody else's fault. Failure is criticized instead of being allowed and learned from. People feel threatened, no job security, there's no trust, no alignment. You know this type of culture when you're in it because you're looking from left to right all the time, waiting for the shoe to drop, waiting for somebody to blame you. Well, let's talk a little bit about blame. Blame is a discomfort with self. Blame is when I'm so afraid that somebody might find out that I'm not effective, that I can't do my job, that I don't deserve to be in this place, that I am going to kick up enough dust and look externally at who else I might divert the attention to so that I don't have to go into the deep dark corners of my own life and build my own self-acceptance. Recognize a blame culture as not yours to own and don't 
fall victim to it. Don't combat blame with more blame. Or sometimes what I see is complaining, which is another form of blaming, right? Because if you're complaining about somebody, you're blaming them for doing something. So do you strike up conversations with people by complaining about somebody else? This cynicism, this cynical nature can be habitual. And you might even find humor in it. You might find that you're the funny person in the office because you're known to make fun of other people. Well, fun of other people, fun at anyone else's expense is not fun. It's convenient and weak. So where does blame come from? It comes from a discomfort with self. It comes from insecure leaders who don't feel that they're bringing value or know how to deliver without casting aspersions on someone else. And this is a very sad place to live. If you're doing it, it's going to be discovered, it's going to be called out, and you are going to be thought of less than for it. So you can adopt a philosophy of, I will not point a finger. Just right now, commit to, I will stop complaining. And when you do that, and you don't have a fallback crutch of making fun of somebody, blaming them, complaining, it calls up a higher part of you. It calls up your character. It also calls up your satisfaction. It calls up your peace. It calls up your acceptance of what is and self-acceptance of who you are because you're not going to fall into the trap of easy blaming and complaining. You are going to look for what is working, bring value with more opportunity and suggestions as opposed to the easy way out of pointing fingers, complaining. And that joy that you bring to yourself is contagious to others. That joy spreads and people enjoy you and enjoy being around you, enjoy hearing your ideas because they aren't rooted in blame. But if you are the victim of somebody blaming you, let's talk about a strategy on how to undo that. If you have been falsely accused of something this is a very frustrating feeling. Watch the knee-jerk reaction. Watch how you want to lash out and defend yourself. Watch how you can get trapped in that fight or flight where you are going to do something that you regret or start blaming or doing the same thing that somebody did to you. That's not a strategy. That's a defense. So if you have been falsely accused of something or feel that you've been blamed or heard that someone else is blaming you, go directly to the source. Make an appointment with that person, call them up and speak with them directly, not from a place of being hot-headed, not when you are emotional. Allow yourself, whether it's 10 minutes, whether it's overnight, time to cool down so that you can have a productive conversation. And that conversation may sound like this. I understand that you said that I was, insert whatever it was. Or if it's in the moment and they're blaming you, take a deep breath, pause. Know that you want to come across from your true self, not your defensive self. Be curious. Curiosity will always help you. Just be curious. Help me understand. 
you think that I did this, or you said that I did this. Is that based in fact, or is that an assumption? Challenge them. Well, what's behind that? You seem to understand my motivation without asking me. How is that? How is it that you know my motivation? Because if you were to ask me, the truth is my motivation is this. So just continue to drill down. Be very direct, but very kind, very servant leader. Help me understand. I'm confused. Is it true that you did this? What is the basis of that? Where are you getting your information that you think that is true? Could that have been an assumption? And allow them an out. Allow them to say, yes, it, it, it was. Well, I'm very happy to give you what are the facts and then give them the truth and say, I hope next time before you jump to a conclusion that we can have a discussion about this because I do want to work better with you and I think that this is a way we might do it. All right, toxic workplace behavior number two, incivility. This is where staff are ignored, undermined, belittled. It's punitive. It makes you feel small. And when people do this to you, it's because they feel small, right? We Happy people don't hurt one another. Let me repeat that. Happy people don't hurt one another. So that person that's causing you strife, stress, anxiety... That person who says things that are hurtful, that cut you, that are gutting, they are unhappy and they are externalizing their unhappiness on you. And that's hard, especially if it comes from someone you care about, someone you respect, someone who has power over you. Very hard thing to accept. However, Let's draw a boundary here, and that's simply an invisible line between what we will and will not allow. And if someone has said something to you that's hurtful, let's first take a very deep breath and honor that feeling. We talk about how thoughts lead to feelings, lead to actions. Let's honor the hurt. Let's explore the hurt. Let's get curious about why it hurts. Is it hurting because it's drawing up post-traumatic stress of something that happened in the past? Is it hurting because this is somebody that you care about? Is it hurting because this is someone you respect? Is it hurting because you're afraid? Afraid you might lose your job? Afraid you might lose respect? Let's first honor the feeling. And then let's pay attention to what that feeling is making us do. Is it shutting us down? Could it make us over-respond, over-react, lash out, or possibly withdraw, do nothing, become stagnant? Let's be aware of those two things, the emotion and the action that we are taking or the inaction that we're taking. And let's go back and reframe the thought. The thought behind the hurt might be, well, this is going to result in me losing my job. This is going to end my respect from my team. I'm never going to get promoted. This is just going to be bad all around. So that thought right there is what we want to look at through a different lens. The thought could be, 
This person is shedding a wound on me. This person is hurting and they are being hurtful because of their own hurt. This person is trying to make me feel as badly as they do about themselves. I wonder what it is that makes them so uncomfortable. I wonder what it is that makes them so mean. I'm wondering why they can't see that helping people will make them want to perform better as opposed to putting them down and making them afraid. And that curiosity, that sticking with the facts instead of the assumptions, gives you power. Toxic work behavior number three, micromanagement. Who hasn't experienced this? This reduces autonomy and confidence and can lead to a culture of distrust. And micromanagers are just making sure that you don't embarrass them. They want to know exactly what you're doing so that they can weigh in on it and be right because they're more fashioned around being right than getting it right. They usually have bigger egos than you do and they need to have complete control. And they may have made an assumption that you're not working hard enough or you won't be able to do it. Often micromanaging is innocent. It's just people who don't know how to delegate. They don't really know how to help you by coaching you so that you can do it yourself. They would rather step in and save the day like a rescuer and feel good about their own value. And they may not even see this. So let's not make an assumption that there's any evil behind this. Let's just look at the facts. And this is where I use my tactic called the pause cafe. Take a deep breath, pause. That's the P in pause. The A is ask yourself, well, what's going on here? Why am I feeling the way I am about being micromanaged? Am I feeling threatened? Am I feeling like I can't do my job? Well, you know, of course I can do my job, but I'm just going to be a little bit curious about why they think that they need to micromanage me. And then the U in pause cafe stands for understand the difference between what is an assumption and what is the truth. You don't know what is in somebody else's head. You just know that you are able to do this work, right? So the S in pause stands for step back and allow this pinhole view that you're looking through to get a little broader. This is where you can allow that judgment of self to just be shed like a snakeskin. No, I'm not going to carry this around anymore. I'm finished with that. And the world gets a little bit bigger and you can extend compassion to yourself here. And that is the E in pause. That's what it stands for. Extend yourself some compassion. Hand to heart and say, I can do this job. Maybe this person that is my boss doesn't know that. And this is where you can also extend some compassion to them. Maybe I'll reach out to them and have a discussion. You know, I know that you've given me this to do and it seems to me that you're checking in a lot to make sure that I'm doing it and giving me a lot of direction. But I want to assure you that I've got this because I know you're busy and you have your own work to do and you can go back to doing that. Why don't we set up where I come and give you a report every week on what I'm doing and get your feedback that way you don't have to worry about me and I can continue on doing what I'm doing and we can both meet and share thoughts once a week. There you've got a solution to what might be a great practice for both of you.
Toxic workplace behavior number four, lack of empathy. This is where you have a culture where people are not viewed as humans. They are more stereotypically viewed as cogs in a wheel, more taken for granted. Uh, You're here to do a job. Don't bring your emotions to work. Don't bring your home troubles to work. And that's great in theory, but the truth is people that have struggles at home, personal life, otherwise, health, whatever it is, they bring it to work because it's with them all the time. And a lack of empathy shows a lack of humanity. And if you want someone who works on your team to go above and beyond, they want to feel that they're respected as humans. And if you are in a culture where there is a lack of empathy, don't get sucked into that and put on that face when you're at work. We are, as humans, compassionate by nature. Love is a very strong driver for human beings. And so is a sense of belonging and being connected. And that is where fulfillment comes from. And if we don't have empathy, then we're not feeling. And if we're not feeling, we're pushing ourselves away because something in us is uncomfortable and we'd rather be detached than be rejected. Think about that. People who are detached are actually afraid of being rejected. And you wouldn't think that they care, but they care more than most people. People that are detached are afraid of being rejected. Don't allow yourself to get sucked into a lack of empathy in any culture. Allow your empathy, your compassion, your depth to come through. And sometimes you might be so overwhelmed with things going on in your life that you don't think you have time or the bandwidth to show any compassion. If that is the case, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, you are being that way with yourself far more than not showing empathy at work. You're not giving empathy to yourself. If you can't feel empathy for somebody else, you're not feeling it for yourself. And that's where you start. Start working on yourself first. How can I put this guard down? Can I be a little bit more self-accepting? How can I be gentle with myself here? And when you can do that, you stop the self-sabotage, stop the perfectionism, which is just perseverating on something because you don't want to move towards the feeling that you need to deal with so that you can release it. When we can be kind to ourselves, we can be kind to others, but it starts with self first. Toxic workplace behavior number five, self-entitlement. Staff are not treated equally. Leaders find themselves superior to others. This is a very top-down culture. This doesn't cut it in the workplace anymore. Employees hemorrhage out of organizations where there is this top-down culture and self-entitlement. So if you are in a culture like that, and a leader within a culture like that, I hope that you're able to find within yourself the ability to lead at least your team from a holistic perspective, from a more collaborative 
an aligned perspective. And I always like to throw in comments about introverts and extroverts when I'm talking with leaders because it's so vitally important that we don't look past the introverts because we go to a meeting and the extroverts will put it all out there. They're mind mapping freely and the introverts are just not going to do that. They're sitting there thinking of all the things that are not being said, but they're not going to share them because it's not in their nature. So how do you get that intelligence from them that is vital to the success of what you're working on? Well, it's a couple of ways of doing that. If you're in a meeting and you notice some people aren't contributing to the meeting, they aren't commenting, a good way to circle back with them is to send them an email after the meeting. You can send it to everybody. Let them see that you sent it to everybody. Send it to the whole group. Just wanted to reach out one more time to see if anybody had any thoughts since the meeting that they may want to circle back to me with. Uh, please send me an email with anything that we didn't have a chance to discuss. I'm very interested. Another way is to conduct the meeting more with a thinking environment. And that is where we don't really have mind mapping. There's a place for that when you're in an ideation phase, when you're generating uh, creatively. But in a thinking environment, you're going around the table on a topic and everybody is sharing their feelings, their ideas, just completely going around the table one after another after another. Everyone gets the same amount of time. And then once everyone has taken in what everyone else has had to say, you go around the table again in the other direction where people can share again if their perspective has changed, what else has come to mind. And this is where the introverts get to weigh in with the same value as the extroverts with the same amount of time. And you'll see that a lot of people will be looking at them and thinking, wow, I never knew that that person felt that way or had that perspective. Really good way to include everybody. But the self-entitlement, my way or the highway, really is an old, out-of-date style of management. If you are using it, it's not going to serve you. If you are an a team where it is being demonstrated, the best thing that you can do is try and find that compassion, stay in the still space, take a deep breath, have a pause cafe moment, get curious about what this person is thinking and doing, and just stay in your zone of genius. Don't get sucked into their ego because this is an ego trip for anyone who's entitled just listen to what it is that is expected of you and do it. Do not, I repeat, do not be looking for the entitled leader to validate you. If you tie your identity to being validated by an entitled leader, you will constantly be feeling like you're not good enough. That's how they keep you in control. That's how toxic cultures operate. They continue to remind you that you're not good enough and that you have to step and fetch just a little bit more and then maybe you might be recognized as maybe just doing your work, not certainly going above and beyond or anything superior. Don't get sucked into that. Take a very deep breath, still space moment. Find out what is expected of you and stay off that person's radar screen. Don't be going to them and think they're going to tell you this is really good work. Go to them when you need an answer and give them a choice. Don't expect them to create. I don't know what to do here is not a good thing to go to them with. You go to them with, 
this is where I am on this project. We could go in this direction. Here's why I think what will happen if we go in that direction. And then we can also go in this direction and tell them what you think what will happen there. And then ask for their input and allow them to give you input. Thank you. That's very helpful. Uh, I'll report back to you on what happens. And you have this contractual symbiotic relationship that is not emotional at all, that has no gratitude or feeling associated with it. It's just one thing in, one thing out. I'll do this. Yes, you do that. And that will bring you far more fulfillment staying off their radar screen and just doing what they tell you, reporting on what they tell you. But it's also very important for an entitled leader to know that you have their back. So if you can say that to them, I know that you're uh, working on this and, and XYZ is important to you. I wanted to report on you, blah, 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 blah. That builds trust because after all, you do have to work with this person, this entitled leader, uh, and this will help them trust you and just not have you on their radar screen. The people they have on their radar screen are the ones they can't trust. So you're trying to instill trust. Toxic workplace behavior number six is lack of support. There's a lack of support and care for those who need help. This is really unfortunate for cultures. We put people in jobs and we don't show them how to do what they need to do. And then we wonder why they fail. This happens often on assembly lines in healthcare. We take someone who's really good at doing one specific job and then we make them a manager of that area and they don't have any skills to manage. And then they fail and we think they're the failure when we as the institution are the failure from not setting them up to succeed. So if you've been promoted into a role and you don't have the skills or the experience to be a manager or a leader, seek it out for yourself. Find a coach, find a course, find a mentor, an advocate, a sponsor that can help you, but don't expect that the organization is going to identify that you need to build this skill set if they're not already investing it. You can have a discussion about it with your manager. I'd like to take this course or hire this coach or something else that you're interested in and see what the manager says. But if the answer is no, it's still your responsibility to learn how to do the skills of that job. And don't assume that because you're a maven at a certain craft is going to make you a good manager of people doing that craft. Okay, well, let's take it down a notch. So then we hire people into jobs that might be unskilled. Maybe they are skilled, but they don't have the skill to do the job as simple as we may think it is. So do you have processes in place? Can we support people with processes? Can we support them when they're not doing well? Can we support them when they're having challenges in their personal life and they need a little help? They need a little employee assistance. They may need somebody to just call them up and ask them how they're doing on the weekend. Lack of support for people who are struggling. It's a toxic environment. And be the person who is the servant leader who's going to rise above that and connect themselves humanly. We are human bodies, which is humanity which means we have to show up as human with humanness, caring about people. And this creates connection and builds stronger culture. Toxic workplace behavior number seven, unrealistic expectations. Staff are expected to work long hours, be available 24-7. That's just 
not reasonable. And most cultures understand that that doesn't work anymore. We can't expect people to do that. But if you are in a culture where it is expected to work long hours, I think it's fair to sit down and have a discussion with your manager that might sound something like this. When I took this role, I was very excited and still am to do it, but I'm noticing that almost everyone here is working long hours. I have a young family at home, and I I just can't keep pace with that, but I know that I can get a very large proportion of, amount of work done while I'm here. I do not spend time wasting time doing things that aren't important. I'm very focused in my office and I want you to know you have my commitment that I will be fully present to this work and be as productive as I'm expected to be during the time that I'm here, but I cannot work into the evening because that is time I need to be with my family. And right there, you're going to see how the culture responds to that. And you might hear something like, well, you know, a lot of people have to put in a lot of hours. I understand that, but I work smart and I will get that work done in a reasonable amount of time. Give me a chance. I think you will see that. And if they can work with you, you can start to pull the culture in a different direction. doesn't matter if you do or not. You just want to be able to win that for yourself. But if you are in a leader within a culture where there are these unrealistic expectations, you're going to find that you have a lot of quiet quitters working for you. They're going to come in, they're going to sit at their desk, and they are going to look very busy. And they are going to do the minimal of what is expected, but they're going to think that they're going to be doing their job at exactly how it is written in the job description. But you are not going to get one inch more of enthusiasm or engagement out of them because they're just there to do their job. That's what happens when we have unrealistic expectations of people. So as I come to a close on this podcast and reflect on all seven of these, I've seen them in different places throughout my career. And in summary, I think what I will tell you is this. Workplace cultures will affect your personal fulfillment, and that is why you have to be very aware of the cultures, especially on the way into an organization. Ask the hiring manager, how would you describe the culture here? Are people working long hours? Do people have relationships with each other outside of work, such that they're friends and doing things together? Are departments aligned and working collaboratively or does there seem to be tension? This cultural sense that you get of an organization isn't going to change. Listen to what they tell you. Don't think that you'll be the exception in that culture because it is difficult to pull against a very strong culture. But I will also tell you that leaders who usually drive culture come and go. So you may start working for an organization and a new CEO or a new vice president will come into the organization, which will completely change everything. So don't give up hope because things change. Nothing is permanent. But be aware of a toxic workplace environment so that you don't become part of the toxicity so that you can be the role model that people look to 
to be the confidant, to be the person that is their true north, that will be fulfilling for you and it'll be good practice for you as well. If you are dealing with a toxic work environment or a difficult manager, this always has a special place in my heart. I have a large number of clients that are dealing with this and there are ways around it. It's devastating. And if you're unhappy, losing sleep, disconnected from people you care about, find that you're now switching devices, snacking too much, drinking, having difficulty with other people that aren't just work-related, not sure how to advance or what to do about it, not keeping up with your exercise routine or feeling anxious. These are symptoms of a cry for relief. Start with yourself. Help yourself. Shoot me an email and I will be happy to send you a career survey that gives me a little bit more background on your situation so that I can see how I might help you. My email is maryleigh at maryleegannon.com. Don't let a difficult situation unravel the rest of your life. You don't deserve that. There are ways around this. Certainly there are ways out of this. So I'm happy to have a discussion with you about it. Wishing you to be the leader that people come to, to be the resource that people home into, to be that person that has their back. Because when you can be that for other people, you know that you're being that for yourself. And that's the most important place to start. I'm glad you were with me today. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me.